<laughs> where you left me, babe. Well, we want to welcome our online campus as well. And uh, I was just kidding about sandwiches. I love sandwiches too. I'm an equal opportunity eater. So I am getting ready to start a, a campaign. We handed out a, a flyer or a handout about R1K, our, our vision to reach 1,000 people who are far from God with the love of God. And that's why we do what we do. You know, last week, instead of inviting people to come to church, we were out in the streets being the church. Amen? And it's one thing to come and sit down in rows and you listen to this one guy speaking or this gal speaking or whatever it may be. And it's, you hear them and you sit, you know, and you take in, uh, you know, 35, 40 minutes and with Pastor James, maybe an hour of, of talking. And you, you receive that and then you go out during the week and you kind of ponder it. It's one thing to sit like this. It's another thing to become active in the things of God. Amen. And so when we, when we receive the word, it, it, should, it should point us and move us to action. And that's what R1K is about. It's, it's reaching a thousand people who, who need the love of God with the love of God. And I believe that God is fully capable of reaching our neighbors and our families and those in our communities who need the love of Jesus. We worked last week at a place in one of these areas with a person that uh, owned some property. Uh, and uh, this person probably doesn't vote like most of us, probably doesn't believe like most of us. But one thing that happened is he felt the love of God like all of us feel through our hands and our feet and our action. And I believe that he's one step closer to Jesus because of it. That's what God does. And so as you look at the R1K uh, uh, literature that we put out for, for the next uh, four months, uh, November, December, January, three months, and then February is the end of, the, of our campaign, uh, we're believing that God will help us achieve the purposes that we have on there for 2023. And last year, we raised uh, just a little bit over $100,000 in our campaign, and, and I believe that God is able to do that and much more with his people. Um, that's the thing about the Lord is he doesn't force you, he invites you. He invites you to partner with him. And that's the one thing that, that, that churches struggle with. And let me tell you, I had a sleepless night last night because I'm, I'm talking about finances. I'm talking about money and, uh, and talking about generosity. And there's, there's two things that the world constantly talks about and, and, two, and the same two things that the church rarely talks about. And when they do, they're called on the carpet for, for talking about it. The, the two things that the world is always talking about is money. The world is always telling you to go and give money. You know, anyone got, got any Walmart advertisement recently or, or Kohl's? Or, anyone have Kohl's cash? <laughs> they have no problem giving you Kohl's cash. Why? So they can get you in the door. Right? And you get in the door and then before you know it, you have a Kohl's cash, but you have a basket full of... Of, of clothes or whatever, and then that Kohl's cash is only going to get you into introduction. But there's no problem talking about it. The second subject that the world is always talking about, always talking about, and what is it? Sex. There are, the world is always talking about sex. You see it in the movies. You see it in, you know, in television. You, you hear about it in radio. I mean, they're constantly talking about sex. And when the church talks about sex, when, when I talk about it, I always talk about intimacy. It's God's gift to couples who, are in mar who, who get married. Intimacy is wonderful. And there's a right way to do it. It's God's way. And there's a wrong way to do it. And that's the world's way. But it's funny that the world is always talking about it and the church doesn't talk about it. Amen? So the, the, the world's always talking about money. And the church, when it does talk about money and finances, they're called on the carpet like all they want is your money. Let me tell you something. You need to know this. God doesn't need your money. But God doesn't want your money to have your heart. Jesus said some very powerful words. He said some things that really, really make me pause and think about what money can do to me. He said, where your treasure is, that is exactly where your heart is going to be. 
If, if my treasure is in possessions and things of this world, then my heart will be in the things of this world. But if my treasures are invested in the things of God, eternal things, then my, if my heart is there and my treasure, or, or if my treasures are there, then my heart will follow suit. And there's a lot of peace putting your heart where the treasures of God are. And that's what we're going to be, be talking about for the next uh, three weeks. I want us to really see what is, and, and let, me, let me just say this. It doesn't matter what Pastor James has to say about generosity, but it does matter what God has to say about generosity. It, it does not matter what James Reese says about money, but it really does matter what God says about money. And money is amoral. That means it has, it's neither moral or immoral. Money will do whatever you want it to do. You will, make, you will dictate where your money goes. So a, a $20 bill, I've said this before, I'll say it again. A $20 bill can go to Walmart. Or it can go to uh, Circle K. Or it can go to a topless bar. Or it can go to a place of, uh, of prostitution. It can go to a drug deal. That same $20 bill can be rolled up and it can be used to snort some white powder. That $20 bill doesn't care what you do with it. It's amoral. But our hearts will, will say what we do with it. And my prayer is that we will follow God's heart in what we do with our generosity. Amen? So I want to start out with a, with a short uh, video testimony of uh, two wonderful people that I dearly love. And they have been such a blessing to me and to the, the life of the church here. And so let's go ahead and cue that up, if you will. Hi, I'm Jack Jones. And I'm Jody Jones. We are talking today about generosity with God generosity with the church is important because it's a connection with God. The more we learn to be generous with fellow church members, with the church itself, with, with the leaders of the church, and with God, the better off we are because you can't outgive God. The more you give Him, the more He gives back. And to me, generosity is a way um, to give back, like Jack said, to give back to God. He is so generous with us in every way. And so one way that we can show our appreciation for everyone or everything that God has done to us is to be a blessing to others. And so Joyce Meyer says in one of her books, to be generous means to choose to do more than we feel we have to do and to always do as much for others as we possibly can. And so I don't think that um, because I don't think that generosity is just financial. I feel like generosity is we can be generous with our love. We can be generous with our homes. We can be generous with our skills. Um, giving is a good is a big part of it but I think that we must be ready at all times to be generous with all people and um, sharing what God has given us with others because there's so many blessings that God has given us and that we need to share that with others um, I believe that we need to because we need to give freely that those who give from a willing heart simply want to bless others and to express the type of generosity God wants us to show. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says that he loves a cheerful giver. And that's what I want to be. I want to be a cheerful giver. And that means cheerful with my smile, be generous with my smile, with my home, with, with um, what my knowledge is, what my skill set is. I want to use everything that God has given me I want to give back to him and to others. With me, it's, it goes back to 
I, I can't think about generosity without going to my health issues and things over the last year and the generosity that's been shown to me by the members of these of this church. Uh, people brought food, uh, prayers, calls, cards, and it means so much. It means so much. Uh, and and like I said, you can't outgive God. You, once you do that, then you get blessings from God. And it's worked for us. It, it just, it's not someplace where you can go with the generosity without receiving. Um, but we should always, always try to be generous with our, with our time, uh, with our skills, with our gifts, anything that we can do. One last thing that I would like to say is that no matter whether we're rich or poor, I don't want anyone to let the enemy come in and say that they have nothing to give because we always have something that we can give to someone else. And Amen. generosity is a matter of the heart. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. One thing I know for sure is that God doesn't want for me or anyone in leadership to manipulate or pressure or even coerce you to give. God invites you to partner with him. And here's what I know for sure is Jesus is building the church. It's his church. It's his power, it's his miracles, and it's even his provision. And yet at the same time, God invites me, and he invites us to partner with him, and he allows us to use our money, our time, our talent, and be generous. And, and, and you know, at least we, we think it's our money, but is it really our money. I, I, I think about this constantly. I, I think about the reality that we come into this world with, in Spanish we would say nada, in English we say nothing, and we leave this world with, with nothing. And in between, somehow, some way, God allows us to be managers or stewards of all that we possess. And, and somehow I believe that when you manage it and you steward his blessings, in a way that honors him, it gives us a peace that surpasses our understanding. It gives us a selfless character and does something in us that we could never do on our own. And what it really boils down to, what I see, is it all boils down to trust. Trust. God entrusts James Reese with his monetary blessings. He allows for me to use what he's bestowed on me and Shauna to be a difference maker. As long as I have breath, as long as I'm able to move, I'm able to do things for people. That's what Serve Our City was all about. As long as I have finances coming in, as long as I don't ever just hold my finances and be an open hand follower of Christ where I open my hand to give out, then he will always have an open hand for him to bless me again. So that stays constant. It's a constant flow of blessings. As long as I use the gifting that he's given to me, the talent, the more I use it, the more I develop it. The more he gets glorified in it, the better that I become in it. And, and, the, and when we think about trust, we think about financial trust. Have you ever thought about this? That when you leave a legacy, whenever you leave a financial inheritance to the people that you love, or maybe someone's left you this, someone that you're a relative, a family member, a dear friend, and they leave you a, a financial legacy, an inheritance, they leave it usually in a something called a, a trust. 
Ain't it also interesting that when our forefathers, and I believe this nation is a, is a great nation. I believe without God, we're headed for disaster. That's why more than anything, our, our country needs Jesus. I believe that with all my heart. The only thing that's going to change our country is Jesus, and it's going to come in and through the church. You need to know that. The change agent of this country is in and through the church. That's why we're getting ready to launch an after-school program so the kids that will come in will learn how to honor their, their, their country as, as, uh, uh, as Americans who love the Lord and also to pour and invest the things of God into their lives where they can become the best they can be because only Christ can do that. But that's going to take finances, amen? But isn't it interesting that our forefathers on currency, on the, the money that we spend, that they put on there. So every time you look at it, it says, in God we trust. Don't finances at the very core, at the very foundation, don't our finances have everything to do with trust? And there's scripture to back it up. The church is growing. In Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit came upon the believers. They spoke in other languages. They spoke in, in tongues. And 3,000 people were added to the church. 3,000 people in one day came to Christ. That's the power of Jesus. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power that, that no man or woman could ever muster up in your own ability. It's, it can only be done by God. And as the church grew 3,000, then later on it grew to 5,000, you saw that the, 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 the one primary thing that began to happen is that you were able to see from the scriptures that these believers were very generous. There was a trust that was formed. And we're going to go to scripture right now. It's going to help us to really see that. But it's also going to help us to see the attitude that can try to creep in. And God doesn't want it to creep into the church. And that attitude is dishonesty. That attitude is, is instead of self, selfless, it's selfishness. And, and I believe that, that America is, is in a place where, I have to be careful, but I'm never careful. We're in a place where our, our, our younger generation, we're, we're living in a, in, a, in a generation of entitlement where we think we're entitled to everything. We're talking about Veterans Day. This country is what it is because of the sacrifice of people that went and fought and died and sacrificed their lives so that we could be who we are. And, and, and so now we live in a, in a place where everything is granted to you free. You know, that you, you, you want everything to be free. You get, you know, this... Uh, 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 stipends, not, not stipends, but stimulants. And I have to be real careful what I'm saying, but I'm never careful. You get all these things free, and then you expect that. And I, my prayer for my grandchildren is that they won't expect things for free, that they will work their tails off for what they have because it will be better for them. It will make them feel better. They'll feel better about themselves. Let's go to Scripture before I talk myself into places I, need, I don't need to. Chapter 4, verse 32, all the believers, this is the early church, all the believers were united in heart and mind. That's important. They, they had unity. Tell your neighbor it's important to have unity. Just tell, it's important to have unity. Amen. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. Put that in your pocket. You're going to need it for all this year. Everything is, is God's. So they shared everything they had. I'm going to read that again. And they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and, and God's great blessing was upon them all. Everybody. That means that the leadership was, was working in the power of the Holy Spirit, miracles were happening, but the blessing of God was upon all of the church. And that should be happening in modern times too. God should be moving powerfully through the preach message. God should still be doing miracles because God's not asleep. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still heals people. He still sets the captives free. He's still over 
has the authority over the demonic world, all these things should be submitting themselves to the lordship of God in the church and the blessing of God should be upon all the church. Every one of you should be blessed by God. Every one of you should be walking in the blessings of the almighty God. If you are his followers, he's blessed us with that. Verse 34, there were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses, they would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. That's, imp that's important for us. In other words, they, they, they were very generous. For instance, and this is important right here because we're going to learn about somebody. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas. Anyone ever heard of Barnabas? Which means son of encouragement, okay? So his name was Joseph before he ever became Barnabas. Who nicknamed him Barnabas? The apostles, the leadership of the church, why? Because there was something different. God was working in his heart and in his life and he was very, very encouraging. He was from the tribe of Levi and he came from the island of Cyprus and he sold the field he owned and he brought the money to the apostles. And because of that, there was trust that was formed with the apostles and with Barnabas. Someone tell your neighbor, trust. Trust, because we're going to go in the narrative. Now, there's a chapter that starts again. Now, you have to remember this. When they were writing the, the, the scriptures, there were no chapter breaks. There were no verses. When, there, when Luke was writing the book of Acts, Luke was not writing chapter 1. To my dear Theophilus, he didn't put chap, verse 1. He just wrote. Chapter and verses were added to make it easier for us in modern times. But it wasn't there. But th this is the narrative. Chapter 5 starts like this. But there was a certain man whose name was Ananias. With his wife Sapphira, they sold some property. I'm going to pause right there because do you see the, the context? Joseph sold property. Now Ananias and Sapphira are going to sell some property. Okay. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. If you have your outline right there, if you have your scripture or your Bible circle, claiming it was the full amount. In other words, he was being what? Dishonest. Claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. Now that is very important, beloved. That's very important because money has a way or not money. Money's amoral, but the love of money has a way to lead us to do things that are completely contrary to God. And how do I know that? Because I'm alive. Because every time that money comes into, into my life, my name is Shauna's, I have a choice to make. And that choice is, am I going to put God as my priority? Or am I going to put myself as my, uh, my priority? Am I going to honor God with my money? Or am I going to live my life? the way that I want to live it without any kind of submission to whatever God wants for me. See, God doesn't care about his money in your hands. He cares about what money can do in your heart. And what money was doing in their heart was going to take them away from the purposes of God. But not only was it going to take them away from the purposes of, of God, if God didn't deal with it, it would have put a complete... Uh, just paused the work that God was doing in the early church. Look what happens. It's crazy. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Now tell your neighbor, yikes. Just say that because I say that. It's the only time that you find this in the scriptures that they lied in the New Testament, that they lied about money and that God allowed for him to die. 
Say, thank the Lord, my name is not Ananias. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. Could you imagine that? You went to church and, you know, lied about what you were going to give and what you weren't going to give, and boom, fell over. And the ushers say, hey, hey, get the sheet, wrap him up right there in the back. That's exactly what happened right here. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. So she, here comes Sapphira. How's it going, right? And Peter asked her, Sapphira, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Oh, yeah, she replied. This was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out to Peter. I can't believe. <laughs> Instantly, she fell to the floor, and she died. And when the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband, and great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. Raise your hand if you think that's severe, extreme. Raise your left hand if you want it to happen nowadays. There's a lot of ways to look at this. But the lens that I look at it through is it's a trust lens. God entrusts his people with his blessings so that we can walk in honesty and integrity. That's all he asked, for us to be honest and people of ethics and be people of integrity. And that will prompt you to be generous. I'm telling you, until you realize this, you will never be truly generous. Because being truly generous always starts with truth. And truth always goes hand in hand with trust. And so as we, as we look at this, I, I, I put together three, let's say, takeaways or three things that are needed to build trust so that we can champion generosity. And, and I'll say this to you, that, that my wife and I have grown in our generosity as God has led us on our, on our journey and our walk with him. I told the staff uh, several weeks back, I said, I, I can tell you this right now, I have no problem opening up my bank app and showing you guys exactly where my money goes. I have no problem. I have no problem opening up my phone to anybody and see where, what's on my phone because I, I want people to know that, that there's nothing to hide. And when I talk about generosity, you need to know this, that your pastor and his, and, and his wife, Shauna, we've made a choice to be generous. And we've seen that the hand of God is on you when you are. It's one thing to talk about generosity, generosity it's another thing to live it. Just like it's one thing to talk about Jesus and how good he is, it's another thing to live it. And through all the trials and all the suffering and all the difficulty that we go through in this life, God is still good. The same thing with your generosity. You'll know, you'll know if you're generous by looking at your bank app. I, we used to say at one time, look at your checkbook, but I think Sean and I probably wrote four checks this, this year. Everything is, everything is electronic now. And so you see it very spelled out in, in your bank app. So here's the first thing that we have to, we have to really grab a hold of. The church was founded on generosity. Say amen if you believe that. Amen. Thriving churches are generous churches. Generosity is important to God. How do I know that? Every morning he just keeps blessing me and blessing me and blessing me and blessing me. That's a gift another gift. This is a gift. I ordered this shirt for this series. I ordered this shirt and I said, it needs to be here before I start preaching. I want to talk about trust. That's a blessing from God that I'm able to buy what I buy. This is a, these are, this is a blessing from God. 
right? I, I would wear, you know, pants with holes in it, the ones, you know, but they cost a lot of money nowadays. <laughs> they were free. They were free at one time, but now I go through the racks and the, the, the holes that, the pants that have holes are triple what they are without them. So I just go without the holes. Not only is generosity from God, it's also good for man. I, I t I've been talking about mental health and how important that is. I've been talking about dopamine. And dopamine is that chemical that the body produces that makes you happy. Did you know that when you're a generous person, you're a happy person? God loves a cheerful giver. Do you know why? Because God made you that when you are generous, dopamine begins to be formed or it begins to circuit through your body and you feel better. You feel more joyful. In fact, I, I, I read this. Uh, several studies have shown that both giving and receiving money triggers the brain's dopamine-rich reward system. It happens mostly in a region called the, um, I'll probably mess this, butcher it, striatum, uh, which is the same area that lights up when you eat cake. <laughs> or you listen to music, or you engage in another uh, satisfying activity. Uh, they didn't put la casita right there. I would have put la casita. This is why, this is why, uh, uh, when you give, it's important that we never force people to give or manipulate giving because when you give and you make it your choice or you and your spouse's choice, it does something to make you better. It, it's never better when a church manipulates giving, ever. We're not, we're not called to that. It, in the scripture, we didn't see that, that the church were manipulated by the apostles and they said, you have to give. You have to give so much. You have to do this. You have to do that. That is never a cheerful way to do things. But when you do it from your heart, it triggers something in your, in your system, and you're able to walk in that. Let's go to verse 32. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything. I don't, I don't know if I can say it enough. Until you get to the place, and it, and it, takes, it takes time for you to shift in your, in your mind that what you have really doesn't belong to you. There's a shift in that. Even in my conversation with my son the other day, we were talking about this, and, 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 and he works real hard. And I, and I want to say this. I want to say that to, to you guys and you gals in here. Some of you have worked really hard. You've, you've invested in your education, and, and, and you've done well monetarily. I get it. And, and, when you, and when you think, and someone tells you, you know, that money doesn't belong to you, you're like, what in the world are you talking about? I've worked hard, and yes, you have. Or I, I, I went to school for a long time, and I, I, I committed myself to graduating, to finishing, and yes, you did, and praise the Lord for that. But let me tell you something. Did God have anything to do with that? Did God give you the drive and the motivation to push you through? Did God even at, at times give you the gift, uh, the gift set so you, you rise above others and, and they promote you and, and you get these wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, platforms where, where you're, 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 you get more money and things like that? Did God have anything to do with that? I mean, just a question. And if he didn't have anything to do with that, if it's only you, then why do you blame God when things go bad in your life? See, that's my conversation with one of my, one of my kids. If God has nothing to do with everything that's right, that's all you, then why is it so easy for you to blame God when things go bad? Right? Here's the deal, beloved. God is in the good and the bad of our lives. And let me say something else. That finances and money, it usually goes up and down. Amen? The stock market goes up and it goes down. 
How many of you trust the stock market? How many of you trust Jesus in the stock market, working through whatever you know, investments that you made? Yeah. We trust the Lord. We, 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 we understand that. But generosity is something that is vital. And when you're generous, you're actually being the hands and the feet of God to bless people in need. To help people through their most difficult of times. And God cares about that. He cares about the church championing the cause of helping people in their lowest place and giving them a hand up, not a foot down. And the only way that you change society is by giving people a hand up and helping them to get educated in the things of God, which will help them to get educated in the things in the world that they need. My, my mind has shifted in the last 30 years. All the things that we talk about, all those issues, all those items that we say now as believers, those things are so wrong. When I wasn't a Christian, I could care less about those things. I lived my life for me until Jesus came into my life. And then I lived my life for we. I want to be a blessing. I want to help people. I want to, I want to align myself with the things of God. And what you do with your money says a lot about how you align yourself with the things of God. Let's not make any mistake about it. What you do with your money, if, if you look at your bank app and everything is about you and your family and everything that's going on in your life, let me tell you, the priority of God is distant from you. Amen? When, when, we, when we start to look at, at, at what we actually do, the reality, the honesty of what we're doing with our money. There's honesty that has to come into play. So I, I was talking to someone recently. Uh, there's a lot that's happened in the last two, two or three months as I prepared for this. So I'm talking to someone and I say, you know, how are you with your generosity? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. I give to my, I give to my siblings and I give to my parents. Whatever, you know, they need something, I give to them. I said, do you ever give to the church? Oh, no, no, not yet. And so I just wanted to, to hear that. I talked to other people. You know, how are you with generosity? Well, I, I give my time. And I say, thank you so much for giving your time. But let me tell you something, beloved. Your time is not going to pay the light bill. Amen? Let's just process. Let's just process the reality. So I go to work. I go to work at, 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 I worked underground for a lot of years. I go over there and, and, uh, and, and so I do the job, I drill, I blast, I muck, I put everything in the, in the ore cars, they send it out and they make billions of dollars. And every other Thursday they say, send me a note saying, thank you for your time. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way, amen? Money has a lot to do with everything, but it really, at the very center, it has a lot to do with our, our heart. And this, beloved, this shows us how important it is to God. Why, why is this even in here? Why is this narrative even in here? Because God wanted everyone in modern times, do you think God knew that, they, that this would be preached in oracle? On November the 13th, 2022, do you think God might have kind of had an idea that this might be preached here? Yeah. Do you, do you think that he put this in here so that for generations and generations, people would understand the importance of our heart when it comes to money? And how serious he takes it. And how the church has been called to be the greatest generous benefactors and benefiters in the world. There were no needy people among them because those who own land and houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles and give to those in need. Now, this is important right here because I want us to look at the whole of Scripture, the whole of the New Testament. This is the only time where they would sell their, their property and their houses and they would give it all or whatever they chose to give it to the work of the, of, of the church. Later on, we see in Antioch that they brought offerings, but it wasn't them selling their houses. There was something that was happening at this time 
and this moment and this season in Scripture. So I'm not telling you, hey, guys, go sell your house and bring, it, bring all the money, bring all the checks next Sunday and put them at the feet right here. That's not what the Bible is telling us. It's telling us that at that time, this is what happened because God was doing something great in the heart of every believer that was there at that time. Now, so the church has always been an institution, an organization, an organism of generosity. But the second thing you need to take away is this. Generosity is always established upon trust. That's why people leave a trust to loved ones. It's a trustworthy thing to do. And and what I've come, this is also important. This is what Sean and I have done. Sean and I, in our, in our, in our, uh, what we're leaving to our children, on the very top, we leave a part of what God has blessed us with to the work of God. And I'll tell you why. I don't know what my kids are going to do with the money that we leave them. (laughs) I would love to tell you guys that I trust them to say, oh, let's go to the work of the Lord and give them this. They're probably going to say, woohoo, let's go on a vacation. So I don't put that responsibility on them. Sean and I, God has blessed us immensely. Immensely, oh yeah, you have a lot of money. No, we have, we have what we need. We have what we need, and in that what we need, we're still able to be very generous. And I thank the Lord for that. When I get a statement from Living Word Chapel on what I gave every year, I look at Sean and I say, "Look at what we were able to do. Look at what a blessing that's been." There's nothing like that. So, so, so you, you're entrusted. You. You give, it's established on trust. It's how crazy this is. Okay, so Barnabas comes on the scene, chapter 4, the very end of chapter 4. And then he comes back on the scene in chapter 9. There was a man who got saved. His name was Saul. They, they, They nicknamed him Paul. Okay, Saul was putting all the Christians in prison. Everyone was scared of this guy named Saul, Saul of Tarsus. And as he gets saved, he's on the road to to, uh, Damascus, the Lord blinds him. I'm not going to go into all that. Some of you know that story, but the Lord does a miraculous work in, in, in Saul, and he gets saved, and then he begins to preach in the name of Jesus. But the problem was, every person was afraid of this guy. Guess who God used to build trust? With the apostle. Barnabas. We see this. In chapter 9, verse 26 and 28, it says, When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. They said, hey, this guy's going to trick us. He's going to put us in prison. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Someone say this with me. Trust. Trust. God used Barnabas to be an influencer for the man that wrote the majority of the New Testament. Why? Because of trust. And where did this trust start? Right here. The trust started right here. It tells me so much about what we do with our finances. Do you think God looks at what we give? Do you think God cares about what we give? Why did Jesus say where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be? 
Why did Jesus, as, as they're coming into the temple, he stops right there at the, at the giving station. He stops right there where the people are giving. And each person is going and giving. And he's looking. And all the apostles, all the disciples are sitting down and they're talking. They're saying, what is Jesus doing? He's looking at everything they're giving. He says, hey, this woman, this widow comes and she gives two mites. Two very small, insignificant amount of money compared to everybody else. But she gives two mites. And she says, hey, did you see that? Did you see that? She gave more than everybody. She gave all she had. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that God cares about what we give? God cares. He cares. It's more than what you do with your money. It's what your money does with you. And if God is at the center... Your money will never have a way into your heart that will take you away from God. Did you know that? Because here's the third thing, and this is so important. And the way that you're going to know this is with this. The way we know is with this. Dishonesty, greed, and debt are thieves of generosity. Someone say amen if you believe that. Sean and I know about debt. Debt almost destroyed us, but Jesus saved us. Living Word Chapel knows about debt. Debt had us bound, but Jesus saved us. Uh, during this time that Sean and I were navigating through some complexities with, with finances, and there's a lot of factors, there's a lot of factors that could talk about what was going on with us and and it had to do with land, funny, had to do with an inheritance. And, and we had to navigate through that difficulty right there. But we went to a place that we were just swallowed up by debt. The same time, Living Word Chapel was navigating through a difficulty of debt. And I remember that God came and he delivered us. And we called this person, and his name is Dave Ramsey. And we began to tackle debt, not only in our individual lives. And God brought Janet Walker. Janet was sitting right over there. She was our administrator at that time. And uh, we can give God a big applause for Janet because she did an amazing job. I'll never forget that. But I think Janet owned it in her, in her own finances. But we owned it here at Living Word Chapel. And we completely, we started tackling debt like never before. Then we had people that were extremely generous that God brought. And they started giving us uh, some financial blessings that we put on our on our debt, and we paid off everything. For now, Living Word Chapel Oracle, as well as Living Word Chapel Kearney, is completely debt-free for the glory of God. But I want you to, but you have to be honest about it. And that's why I have no problems talking about, about, about things from my own life. Because if I, if I just come up here and just talk about things that we read in the Bible and put a little twist on it, but never talk about the real things that are happening. Maybe some of you in here that you're struggling with debt and you think there's no way you're going to get out of it. Let me tell you, with God, nothing is impossible. Everything is possible with God. But you got to be honest. Ananias, his wife Sapphira, they sold their property. He brought part of the money to the apostles. That's okay. But he claimed that it was a full amount and his wife did the same thing. And I, and I jotted this, and I think it's important because I want you to think about your personal finances. Because maybe you had the same temptation as Ananias and Sapphira. Amen? When it, when it comes for you being honest, say, say you make uh, uh, 50000 a year, okay? Say, say I'm going to say something, but I'm not going to say it. Say you, maybe next week. If you come next week, I'll say what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> Maybe you make uh, 75000 Maybe you make 100000 Whatever you make. Here's what I want you to know. When you're honest, when you're honest with what you make and what you're spending it on, it's the first step in starting to be generous or not being generous. Are you with me? You have to see what God is blessing you with and what you're doing with that as well. It's so important for us. And, and I jotted this. Maybe Ananias and Sapphira, maybe they lied because they wanted to go on a vacation. 
They went on a vacation. <laughs> Maybe they wanted another camel, the new and improved camel. <laughs> Whatever it was, it caused them to be dishonest with Peter and it caused them to be dishonest with God. So one of the things that we decided with, and it's, it's, it's in the works right now, and, and there's some of you that, are, that have, God has brought into our, our church family for this season. I pray it's for a long season that I'm still going to have conversations with. But we, we are in the works right now, talking about honesty, where we're, we are going to have an outside agency come and do an audit on our finances here at Living Word Chapel. Because we want to have the highest integrity so that when people give to the work at Living Word Chapel, you know that we take that money very seriously and we're not going to use it in a way that's going to be dishonorable. Those are steps that I believe are vital to where God has taken us. For us to reach the thousand people, and I believe with all of my heart that God is going to reach a thousand people through us. I believe it with all my heart. We need to be people that are the highest integrity in every part of our lives. You have any questions about finances, you can come talk to our administrator. You can come talk to me. If you want to talk about how much the pastor makes, I'm very, very open to tell you exactly what I make. I have no problem with that. Let me tell you, it's not very much. (laughs) But it's what I need. It's what I need, and I'm very, very blessed with that. I'm going to end with this scripture because I've already gone over it. Timothy, uh, uh, Paul writing to Timothy, he says this, the love of money, notice he doesn't say money, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money, let's just talk about that just a little bit. Craving money breeds greed. Greed is you never have enough. Americans, you need to know this. We're in in that place. We never have enough. We're so blessed. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from, don't you love this? From what? The true faith. And they have pierced themselves with many sorrows. God is not down on people having money, but he does not want for money to have us. Let me say this because I just know it. I feel it in my spirit right now. And someone needs to hear this. Your pursuit of money will lead you places. Your love for the pursuit of more money will lead you places that will take you away from the things of God. But if you allow for the spirit of Christ to flow in and through his generosity to you, it'll take you places where you become a blessing to your world for his glory. And the day that we die, God will say, well done, good and faithful 